0: This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM ninety four point one, The Voice. Pardism actually is why a lot of young people leave the church because we shame them. We think that shaming them will make them feel us this crazy, nasty burden, and be like, ah, I shouldn't do it. In fact, they say, you know what, man, I feel more acceptance with my friends. I'm just going to go hang out over there. But as we're going to see, I would rather people fail in the church than outside in the world because over here we can restore them. Okay, so we'll get to that in just a second, but. Um, there are two things that happen when you, when you live that kind of life of just like beating yourself down. One, you're relying on your own flesh. And when you fail, there's nothing for you to pick yourself up with. Because you're pulling yourself up and then you're your own savior. When you fail, you're like, man, I can't handle myself anymore. And maybe you're sitting here as a believer. You confess Jesus as your Lord and your savior. I'm speaking too fast and I know that. I'll slow down. Uh, okay. So when you're listening to, my watch things, I'm working out. Uh, so when you're listening to all of this in the podcast, you don't have to double speed it, okay? Like, yeah, slow, like 5%. Ah, what's happening to me? It's crazy. Okay, slow down, Joel. The problem is when you're, when, you're, when you're beating your flesh up to gain holiness, you are trusting yourself. And when you fail, you're not really, the grace of God is an enemy to you. And so you don't wanna, you hate the grace of God because you wanna earn your way to salvation. You wanna be like, I did it by my, and I've seen many Christians like this, and it's really hard to call them out because they don't wanna see it, because they're prideful. And those are the guys that when they don't watch porn for two weeks, they, they look at others and be like, oh, you're still doing that stuff. Like, man, I got over that stuff. I'm like, dude, like, come on. You don't have any grace because you not received grace. When you see another person fail, they, they're the ones that tear people down because you, you're pietists. You you're leaning on your flesh, you're not leaning on grace. And the second thing is, when you come across life problems, that you don't have answers for and you can't find answers in your flesh, you fail. You, you you question Christianity, you question the gospel. Pietism is dangerous, quietism is dangerous. What is the beautiful radical middle that the Bible's gonna teach us? You ready for this? Yes. Okay. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. I hope you guys are excited. By the way, I don't, I know, I don't think preachers preach this way because they don't teach us in Bible college. Thank God I didn't go to one. Okay? These are things that I've been applying in my life, and I'm so excited to share this. I think that's why I'm speaking so fast, because I'm so excited because I've seen this come alive in my life this week as I've been applying this. Um, so, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling okay if you've been tracking with me let's look at that real quick work out your salvation with fear and trembling it sounds like pietism to me work out your salvation work out i was talking to my mom about this and she's like come work out you like to work out joel you're working out grunt you know veins all shown work out your salvation with fear and trembling but look at the next verse for it is god who works in you dear god for it's god who works that sounds like pietism you see, you see why I went through the whole big story it sounds like Paul is saying pietism and quietism exist in two words in these two verses work at your salvation and then so forth. God who works in you both to will and to work that is he changes your wants and your works for his good pleasure, for his glory what I love about the Bible is it takes these beautiful you know, ways that we reason and it brings harmony to it and actually gives us this beautiful radical middle where we need to live from Okay? Now, what I have over here, we'll get to it in just a second. The whole working out your salvation needs to be explained. In, um, in about 64, 63, there was a guy named Strabo. He was a Greek philosopher, an author, historian. And he writes about uh, the Romans who actually were mining in a, in a mine that was owned by, the, the, by Spain. And actually he writes, he says, the Romans were mining out, were working out the silver from the mines. And the word that's used with the work out is the same word that he uses in his writing of the Romans were working out the silver from the mine. They were working out the silver from the mine. Did you get it? They were working out the silver. They were taking out what was deposited in it. And what I asked Sierra to help me with um, over here is to create for us a mine. Uh, not like a kaboom mine, you know, don't step on it. But, but a mine that, that has uh, resources that is in abundance. A mine is something that you don't, you don't go pick like, oh, I found a you know, little tiny piece of whatever. It looks fun. So I'm going to dig up the whole place. A mine is a place that is abundant with resources. That's abundant. There's a lot in it. And people are willing to climb up into mountains and go into forests to be able to mine these things. And what Paul is writing, he says, work out your salvation. It's not pietism. Please listen to me. He's saying, work out. He says, mine out what God has deposited in you. You with me? So, so, so that's why the title for this morning's message—we finally get to it—45 minutes in later, it's mine it. It's mine it. You got to mine it. I was going to call it mine your business, but I was like, no, uh, mine it. And and uh, and what we're going to go through in our application, in the five things that we're going to see in this this few verses, is just just five things that God deposits in you in your salvation. And when you enter the crooked world, and you have a challenge to shine, you cannot pull yourself up by by your own bootstraps. You cannot just be quiet and hope that you'll be polished and shine in a dark world. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to change what you will and what you like and how you work for His good pleasure, for His glory. And and there's an active participation in what God has bigger than your salvation. You have got to mine it. You've got to pull it out. You've got to work at it. And it's not like pietism where you're beating your flesh. You're digging into what God has deposited in you. And I get goosebumps when I think about this because... I practiced this this week, and it is phenomenal. When temptation came, mine in. When anger came, mine into the salvation that God has. It's so beautiful when you constantly remind yourself that I am saved, I am blood-bought, like we did this morning during worship. Who do you belong to? I belong to you, Jesus. I am blood-bought by your sacrifice on that cross. So that's kind of what, what Paul is going to be talking about when he says mine. In. So five things, and I hope your pens are going to move fast this morning because we're going to go through this quick. Five things that we're going to see in these few verses. Um, in philippians chapter 2 you guys tracking with me so far right thank you jesus thank you all right number one number one as you begin to mine the salvation that god has deposited in you by the way um in these things are hidden many famous jewels from the dollar store (laughs) so after i'm done with this parents if you're okay Uh, the kids can go to town on this thing and uh, marbles from two weeks ago and some gold coins and um, I also think there's a $100 bill in here so I'm joking I'm Indian, I don't do stuff like that (laughs) but number one when you're saved when you have received the salvation you are loved like never before you see your life before you came to Jesus we're going to see it was darkness. It was hate. It was unforgiveness. It was bitterness. There was low self-esteem. There was a low self-image. But when you came to know Jesus, you are loved. And you're loved like never before. You see, Jesus loves everybody. He loves the world. Yes, he does love the world. But when you say yes to him, you become his child. We saw earlier, he gives you the mind of Christ. He adopts you as a son and nothing can snatch you out of his hand. And I want you to know that if you've given your life to Jesus, you are loved like you've never been loved before. You are loved with an eternal love. You are loved in such a way that He looks forward to spend eternity with you in His presence over there, rejoicing in everything that He has. And this is where I get, I'm getting this from. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved. Therefore, my beloved. See, these are things, these are words that we, we go over so quickly. Therefore, my beloved. This is important for us to point out that when you are saved, you are loved because, as we're going to go and see, you are going to fail. You will fail. You say yes to Jesus and then you go back home and you're going to tank it. And you need to know that you're loved. You need to know that you're loved. I was going through First Corinthians, uh, the book of Corinthians, first and second, and I'm my gosh, Paul really told his church how much he loves them in many different ways. A few verses. First Corinthians 4, 17. That's why I sent to you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Paul really loved Timothy, didn't he? 1 Corinthians 15.58 Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He loved the Corinthians. Chapter 10, verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Since we have this great promise, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. The word beloved over here is a person who is dearly loved and cherished. Dearly loved and cherished. And sometimes even looked at on with favor and favorism and partiality. Beloved. You know, as a pastor, I might not be able to verbalize my love for you. In fact, when I walk into our staff meetings or leader meetings, I typically greet people with, hey, what's up, losers? You know? <laughs> Doesn't sound loving at all, right? It's crazy. But um, I might not be able to verbalize it well. And in the church, we need to grow in loving each other. And maybe you no, know, not be like, oh, you're so great, and you're so awesome. Ah, yeah, weird. Okay, but, but in our own way, to be able to actually lift each other up and love one another. Because when you're saved, you are loved. And it's really sad because there are many people who said yes to Jesus, but have not experienced the love of Jesus in the fellowship of believers who have said yes to Jesus. It's kind of like, it's hard for us to understand that Jesus loves me because why do other people who follow him hate me so much? You get what I'm saying? That's why I said a couple of months ago, what we do as a church, we love unconditionally. We love people. Sitting right next to you might be a person who voted differently from you. And we got to love them. I've been praying that God will bring people in this church that will have a lifestyle different from you and you ought to love them. Why? Because Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. While we were still sinners Christ died for you. While you were still his enemy he died for you. And now he says hey listen I love you. And, And isn't it crazy like the prodigal son the father's still waiting at the window waiting for those prodigal children to come back. And we when we've said yes to the salvation God's deposited his love in you. And you gotta dig in and be like god help me to love people and not just that when temptation comes knocking on your door because we're living in a dark and crooked and twisted world when temptation comes you got to dig in and know that you're loved and i said this many times because when you're loved you walk differently when you're loved you talk differently when you're loved you smile differently oh man when you're loved you you don't have to be frightened of anything when you're loved you you, you step out in confidence it's really crazy um So the church that Paul is writing to, they surely have issues, but he loves them. Look at this Philippians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affections of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. When temptation comes knocking on your door, dearly beloved, dig in to your salvation. And sometimes it's going to be hard. But the first thing I want you to know is that you're loved. Sometimes it's serious, it was going to be hard. Fail, man. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Thank you. Thank you. But you see, it's going to take work. It's going to take work. Those of you who have been burnt out by church, it's going to take work for you to believe that you're loved. But instead of looking to people around you, I want you to look at the salvation that you said yes to, the Yeshua that loves you. I want you to dig in. And as you begin to dig in, you begin to find, man, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm equipped, and he continues to love me. He will never let go of me. You see, this I want to do this because this is a messy business. Christian life is messy business, and you got to dig in. When temptation comes, you got to dig in. I mean, think about this this week when you failed. Did you actually dig into your salvation? Did you actually dig in and say, like, man, what are the truths that I've said yes to? I want to find the truths of what God has deposited in me, and dearly beloved. Hopefully this week when temptation comes knocking on your door, you'll hear these words, Dearly beloved, dearly beloved, you are loved of God. You don't have to say yes to the world. You don't have to say yes to the twisted, crooked, dark world. Say yes to the salvation that you have professed to. Uh, moving on, the second thing, when you're saved, when you're saved, you have a very special power and it's a power to repent. Do you remember the time when you could just go on sinning and nothing really phased you? When you were like, hey, you know, you actually boasted about it, right? You're like, God saw hammered last night, bro, having a serious hangover. And then you, came, you gave your life to Jesus and you're like, why do I feel this crazy conviction on my shoulder? It's really hard. It's because you have a special superpower to be able to repent. Now, I know that's not a very popular word in churches these days, like repent, like what are you talking about? Oh my gosh, you're going to send people home, you know, and not want to come back to church. But repent is actually a gift from God. To be able to repent, to be able to, to have that beautiful, soft, pliable conviction, it's a good thing. Parents, you know it when children get so hard-hearted, you're like, man, where did I go wrong with this? And then when your child repents, you're like, wow, there's peace once again at home. To be able to repent is a special, beautiful thing, and this is where um, I get it from. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, as you have always obeyed, you see, God's love language is obedience. Love is the root, and obedience is the fruit. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. When you love Jesus, obedience will cease to become a burden. It will cease to become a sacrifice and it becomes a delight. But you're like, but Joel, is talking about obedience. What are you talking about repentance? Because listen, obedience is this. Obedience is consistently and constantly repenting when you fail. I asked you earlier, what are you going to do when temptation comes knocking on your door and it's unrelenting? It is pounding on your door. It's calling your name. It knows exactly how to get you to listen. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho, 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.